0: Welcome to Emra's Podcast, episode number 73. This is your host, Suman
1: Say You don't accomplish great things by setting small goals. Don't be afraid to try something where you'll fail.
0: Visit Emeralds.com to to our previous podcast episodes, links to our social media channels, and get race discount codes. I'd like to welcome Gary Lazarus Lake, Cantrell to immigrants podcast. You, if you don't know Gary, he is a race director for um, the Barkley Marathon. Uh, it's not a marathon. It's hundred Mahler and beyond. More than a marathon. And he does many, many things up in Tennessee area. How are you doing today?
1: Oh, I'm doing anything I can get away with. <laughs> How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing good, Uh before we go deep uh, talking about uh, the Barkley and the other things you do, uh, give us a background on your own running running journey. How did you get started running? I mean, how long have you been running?
1: This is, uh, I guess, I'm about to finish up my 51st year of running come October. Um, it's really more walking now than it than than any actual running. But I've been started when uh, the first time that they had a jogging craze they showed a family on the news on tv all jogging and my dad and some of his friends started going down to the track to try to run a mile in under eight minutes and i went down to run with him because when you're a kid you like to do what your dad does and i actually beat him i could run an eight minute mile and he couldn't it was a First thing I ever beat him at my, at our house, you didn't win unless you actually won.
0: (laughs) So which era are we talking about uh, this? uh, You said 50 or 51? How many years you said?
1: 51 years ago. Come October.
0: Wow. That's wow. So tell us about uh, how was the running like back in those days? Uh, So how how old were you at the time when when you started running uh, with your dad?
1: Oh, I was just a kid then. And then later on, I went out for cross country and track in high school. I just assumed that you tried to play some kind of sport. When I was a sophomore, I was only five feet tall and weighed 70 pounds. So track and cross country is about the only choice that there was uh, the cross country in high school then was two miles, and that was the longest race that there really was to run.
0: Got you. And and beyond beyond high school, what did you do? Did you continue running, or how, how does how does that journey goes?
1: Well, I can, I continued running. I was inspired by the series The Olympiad and thought that I would train and one day be an Olympic marathon runner, which, of course, didn't pan out, but I kept running. and I guess it was several years I didn't, wasn't really aware that other people ran. And I was living in Memphis, and I'm running down a road, and I see another runner cross in front of me across a cross street, so I ran really fast until I could run him down. It was Arnold Wiener and uh, he introduced me there was i became member number 12 of the memphis runners and they would have races on saturday you'd go down and meet it at different places and start a stopwatch and toss it up under a bush and then everyone would run the prescribed course for that day's race and the first person back pulled out the stopwatch and called out times for the other finishers
0: Got you. That was a simple time uh, for running, <laughs> racing. I guess <laughs> from the time the time that we are in now.
1: Yeah, there was there was uh, really can only remember one really organized race with an entry fee that they had, which was a five miler in the in the spring, and then they had uh, all-comer track meets, and you would pay a quarter for each event that you ran. So so tell us, uh, then you as you move forward
0: and you're running. When did you pick up uh, marathon and and eventually ultra marathon? How does that go?
1: I started running marathons in the mid-70s, I guess like 74, because I thought I wasn't fast enough to be really significant at at the 6-mile. Then they had the 6-mile and the 3-mile. They didn't have a 10K and a 5K. So I thought the marathon would be where I was better, but I was not (laughs) – (laughs) and and then I thought ultras you know I said everything I've run if I the further I run the better I do but the problem is if you move up to ultras everyone that moved up to ultras also the further you ran the better they did so it
0: so you kind of just kept going farther and farther hoping to go faster and faster is that how it goes for you
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to be competitive when I was younger I could in most things I could shoot for making the top 10 percent at at, a, at my very best so it wasn't that wasn't that bad it just was a disappointment to me i thought i would win but i think uh not being that good of a runner probably motivated me more when i started directing events and that's probably what i've done better at than than actually at running
0: got you uh before we talk about uh directing events uh Uh, Tell us uh, about when uh, when did this uh, 10k, 5k, 10k craze started? I mean, this is a very popular event. I mean, I'm I'm (laughs) I'm fairly new runner compared to you, but uh, (laughs) but uh, that's Uh, the when did it when did it start in?
1: It must have been the late 70s that I started seeing 10ks, and they I think that they changed in the the high schools and the colleges to running metric. And then the 10 the 10k was everything for a long time and very few a few people ran 5 ks It seems like now I think the 5k is really big and the, and there's not that many 10k's around.
0: That's correct. Uh 10k, 5k is very popular. You go 5k, half marathon and then the marathon distance and then then you then you can start getting ultra distance now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so so yeah, that's interesting history historically. Um, so, so, uh, tell us, uh, tell us about, uh, your directing then, uh, then as you're trying to go faster and faster, I guess, uh, if, if you, if we had event, um, many, many events like now, nowadays, probably you would have picked some races that you could beat some people and, you know,
1: (laughs) my, my times then when I started doing it, everyone who ran was really competitive and my times then would really be good. Now they have a a half marathon in in Murfreesboro that's huge and draws thousands of runners. And I went the first time to to watch because my son was running it. And I stood at the finish line and I watched in my – one of my better times was at 119 half marathon was my best half. So I was watching the people come in. When I ran my 119th, I was like 11th out of 110. And when they when I was watching the people come in, this thousands of person marath- or half marathon, my 119 would have still been 11th place, but it would have been 11th out of 3,000 instead of 11th out of <laughs> 110. Yeah, I'm thinking I that. would have thought I was good today but
0: yeah i'm shaking my head right now thinking man 119 is fast you know i mean i I'm, i could i could hardly get to 130 and they consider me fast so what was the fastest time for a marathon
1: I, you know, I never had the good luck. I always thought I could run under three hours for a marathon, but my best ever was only 3.15. And I just, when I would get in shape to make a real attempt at three hours, I ran one in a blizzard. I ran one in 90-degree heat. Um, something would always happen. I, I ran one with food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> so. So that so that leads
0: to our next question, I guess. Then, uh, then when did you decide to be a race director or directing events and managing events?
1: I wanted to run an ultra. I had started doing thirty milers uh, in training because that I thought it would make me. It would make the last stretch of a marathon better which it did after when I first heard of ultras I just said that was crazy no one with a brain in their head would run further than a marathon actually no one with a brain in their head would run a marathon but I got the itch and I looked around and there was the closest ultras there were for me to run in was either in New York City or Miami so I decided to hold one here in Tennessee since it seemed like there was a pretty good space in there with no handy ultras and we started the strolling gym in 1979 actually started planning it in 78 but we held the first one in in may of 79 wow and there were 19 19 people 21 people who started 19 who finished and only three people had ever run an ultra before so so uh,
0: tell us about now the strolling gym, and we consider mostly their road ultra. So so it's a paved road now, correct?
1: It, it was all dirt roads then, and all the ultra runners, lots of people wouldn't come because they said it was like running on trails, and trails would just injure you. You had to run on the roads to be safe. Then uh, as the the years went by, they paved all the roads, and now everyone says, oh, you must run on trails or you'll get injured. So. <laughs>
0: whole thing has changed so yeah i I just
1: i just run wherever there is to run has always been (laughs) (laughs) got you now we just we had a lot of different things we did over the years we held a track uh track 24 hour a few times and one year in 84 i think we had a national championship there it was the first time someone had gone out of the way to Get together all the fastest runners or all the best runners on one in one event, and it was a it was a great deal of fun. Ed Dodd won that one. He came, he was in 16th place at 12 hours, and actually was in third starting the last hour and won it at the very in the last few minutes. And watching him run down, oh, I want to say it was Al Edmonds back then. And Al had just run out of gas, and all he could do was walk. And Ed was still running, and he was watching the clock and watching Ed and counting down the minutes. As as it became more and more obvious, no matter what he did, Ed would catch him before it was over. And We'll have Ed. We'll be here for our race for the ages that we're holding this Labor Day weekend. He's uh i think seventy one now
0: wow, so uh, talk about uh twelve uh, hour or timed event uh that you that you have uh tell us about uh what kind of uh crowd do you bring I mean, I have done few time events, but the crowds are different from the from the distance yeah. events <laughs> that I go to
1: well the race for the ages is is really a a little bit different crowd than you would find about anywhere. It's, uh, everyone gets the same number of hours as they are old with a, with a minimum of 48 hours. You get at least, it's a 48 hour run, but if you're 79, you get 79 hours. So we count back. It ends at noon on Labor Day on that Monday. And then you count back to get the starters. The oldest guy this year is 86 and he'll be starting on Thursday night about 10 o'clock and, <laughs> so but so he
0: he gets eighty plus hours to run uh, however 86 far you eighty six hours or however long he wants to go correct.
1: But yeah, all my all my old running buddies are pretty much in their seventies and eighties. The young guys are in their sixties, and you get somewhere in your sixties or seventies it starts. For most people, it starts to be really difficult to make time limits and run in other races. So this one is geared towards those runners
0: got you yeah time event uh we have now one in birmingham uh we have two but one the the level that that you'd put in uh endless miles uh david toss has put it here in third fourth week in october uh, i have done 12 hours in that but i did get to meet a lot of folks uh they were doing 24 48 hours more more 48 hours and it was interesting uh yeah
1: <laughs> this one's all about the stories you get to hear because it's all the guys that ran before that there was uh internet and blogs and everything was recorded so we have a lot of freedom we can remember it however we wanted to <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> uh yeah uh, I,
0: I for me personally that's i don't like it but uh but um, uh, but I probably will eventually you know, run those kind of events uh, as as I get older. <laughs> especially, uh, it looks like the 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 age, uh, race for ages. I think I think it'll be perfect as I get older. So yeah,
1: <laughs> so we've we've got thirty guys over seventy years old. Wow,
0: wow. So so let's uh let's switch a little bit. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the the main event that you that you put put it out. Uh, uh, and and um, that's now it's a world known. I even got to watch uh, it and uh, Netflix uh, recently. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, so, so that's, uh, uh, let's talk about the, let's talk about the Barclay Marathon. Um, so, so that's a, uh, that's a very interesting event. Uh, uh, tell us about uh, the background that we don't know. There's a lot of stories and stuff people can find on the internet. Uh, Just let us put a little bit of background and then tell us uh, things that that we hardly hear about the race and events.
1: Well, that's not actually me. That's the other Lazarus Lake that that does that one. Got you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I have to confess to it. It's it's my fault. We – it's, it's a set of trails out there. The the Frozen Head area, I was going out there back in the early 70s before it was even a park because I didn't – it wasn't just a runner. I liked to do it. I did backpacking and camping, and and uh, it was a good place to go backpacking, and there were some trails on the map that we hadn't gone on that I thought, look, if you're familiar with contour lines, the contour lines were touching. You know, and uh, me and uh, my friend Raw Dog, Carl, we – Decided to go on a trip, and we had to wait till a time when we didn't have people who would not embrace that kind of an adventure, and go by ourselves and and uh, hike around it and take a look. And by then, I was putting on ultras. This was an 85, and I just I said, you know, that perimeter loop, it would make some hell of a race. And we had to uh, to hike it and see if it could be done. And uh, we went out. The first seven and a half miles took us ten hours. so he said hey this will be fun
0: (laughs) (laughs) so so you go the nice, uh, nice guy who puts a nice races for everybody, and <laughs> then uh, then the other side, uh, Jacqueline Hyde, I guess, uh, or uh, the other guy who who puts us this most difficult race you can find in the world. Is that uh, is that the two two personality that that we see here? <laughs> so is that why? What do you say that you're not the person who puts that race?
1: Every every race is as hard as you make it, but the the Barkley is going to be hard if you try to even do it. It's a uh, it's a, it's a really challenging set of trails. They had just made it a park when well, we went up there and did that. We weren't even aware. We got there and they had a trailer with park rangers. The first thing it said was that to go on those trails, you had to get special permission from the rangers and they didn't want to let us go and then they tried to talk us out of it cuz they said they would just nobody had made it all the way around those trails and they would just have to come and rescue us and we we said no no we'll <laughs> we will do
0: it you will find a way to get get in there and get out of there so
1: we got through, we hiked half of it the first day and then camped overnight and then hiked the other half of the loop the, the next next day. And then we came back to the ranger station and said, oh, yeah, we, we did it. It was fun. And we have friends who would really enjoy coming out here to do this trail. <laughs> so which which year was it? That was 85 when we did the backpacking trip. And then 86 was the first year we ran the race. So t- talk about that, you know. So there's
0: actually a a, a trail. I mean, and the way I hear is that you have to have a. There's no actually a, a course mapped or anything. You just have to go, figure out on, on your own. <laughs>
1: Yeah. No, there's a the course is marked it's only marked on a map. We don't put markings out on, on the trails. Gotcha. And it is trails. You just need to have an eye for trails. It's a it's a mixture. There's some of the regular park trails, the old candy ass trails you have. The remnants of old logging roads and mining roads and maybe maybe a section or two of old railroad bed. Stuff that hasn't been maintained in you know 50 60 80 years so maybe it's not that visible to the inexperienced eye but if you're used to going out in the woods you can see the trails there and and there's there's some game trails mixed in a little this a little that
0: got you so there's no nice flags or you know the turn here <laughs> turn left here turn right there
1: <laughs> you can look for blood on the briars but other than that, <laughs> you need to be able to use your map, and, and the contour lines have to mean something. You have to be able to tell you where you're going with a map. And now you get a compass, which is mostly useful if it's foggy or at night. But the features are so dramatic, it's pretty easy to tell where you are on the map just by looking at it. I seldom use a compass out there.
0: So, so do you actually go out these days uh, to do that uh, whole uh, whole section? It's twenty mile, correct? Uh, and the whole it's a twenty mile
1: loop, and I ca- I can't do a twenty mile loop in a day anymore. I'm not not the runner I <laughs> used to be. But, but you... no one yet has gone any. We haven't sent them anywhere in the race that we haven't been. Which means in, in recent years, I've got a. I've got circulation problems in one of my legs, so I have a real hard time going uphill. And Rod Dog has bad knees and has a hard time going downhill, and we go really slow. So anywhere that the runners go in the Barkley is somewhere that two old crippled guys
0: (laughs) can do. (laughs) So it's not that difficult.
1: It's not that difficult. There's not much excuse for, for not finishing.
0: (laughs) <laughs> and uh, but but the problem is there's <laughs> you, you don't have a whole lot of finisher for the event. so how many finishers you have you had uh since 1986 15 15 i think you have some repeaters correct
1: there's uh one guy's done it 3 times and and one that's done it twice Huh. And uh, there's been a lot of other people try to do it more than once, but the, they say the problem is they remember that they could do it, and they forget how hard it really is. Me and Dog can, can do any of the features by themselves, but we can't string them all together into a 20-mile loop and then do it five times. Got you. That's, that's probably the difficult part <laughs> of it. <that. laughs>
0: you do it once at least. Uh, what do you call it? You call it a fun run? Isn't that what you call
1: now uh, the fun run is three loops.
0: Oh, got you. Got you.
1: It's still it's still a DNF because there's only a 100 mile race. By getting to call it a fun run after three loops, it makes it that much harder to go on because you can say, "Well, I did something." <laughs> and it's it's not like the fun run has more than a little over 10 percent finish. So
0: got you. So tell us about uh, what uh, what takes people to uh, first to sign up for the event, uh, for, for the Barkley marathon
1: and Lots of people believe they want to do it because they haven't been there. And they just picture in their mind, they look at it and they say, a 100-mile race with a 60-hour time limit, all you have to do is maintain a real low-level effort for a long time. And that's completely an error because the the terrain is so steep and rugged that even though you're going really slow, the heart rate is way up there. You're redlining everything most of the time. And you just kind of have to get out there to actually grasp what it's like to run right at your limit for 60 hours. And at the same time, have to keep track of where you are and carry all your own food and water and (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Got you. So, so ha- have you ever had uh, in, in this uh, since nineteen eighty six? So it's what thirty years now. Um, so thirty one years, uh, correct? If yeah, thirty
1: one years. It's might, been a while.
0: It's been a while. <laughs> have you ever had any 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 problem? with well, people not coming back at all, or I'm not showing up for days, and or 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 you never had that issue.
1: Every single runner who has started the Barkley has self extracted.
0: <laughs> so, so that we don't have anybody still out there.
1: So there's growing pressure on each each class of runners that you know no one else has ever had to be rescued. You don't want to be the first. Gotcha. But we have had we had a Swiss runner back in the '80s who broke his ankle uh, like two miles into the third loop, and then instead of coming back, he hopped the remainder of the loop on one leg which took him a long
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the 60 hours, I guess.
1: We had a guy just a few years back, Tim Dines, that fell and fractured his kneecap coming down the zip line. And he got up and continued down the zip line to the bottom and then climbed Big Hell and down Chimney Top and up and over Rough Ridge and all the way back to camp. He climbed two more mountains, with a fractured kneecap, and then when he got back to camp, he wept because he couldn't go on.
0: Wow, there, uh,
1: it's a different breed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. What kind of and what kind of uh, breed or what kind of runners would you need for for somebody to go completely at l- three, four, five laps in this this race? I mean, anybody. I, I shouldn't say anybody can do a first lap, but I haven't even done it. So, but talking about going, like you said. Uh, finishing a fun run and going beyond. Uh, w- what kind of, what do you call, mentality, mindset, yeah. and, and fitness level anybody needs?
1: Tell us about that. You, you have to be in the best shape of your life because you're talking about, you know, 120, 130,000 feet of elevation change, which is a whole lot. It's, uh, you know, the height of Everest from sea level twice up and down. And you have to be able to, you have to have the skills to see the, to find your way on trails that aren't that distinct. You have to be able to use a map to find your way. You have to be able to carry your own stuff. You can't, you can't need a pacer holding your hand because you're going to be alone. Or if you're with somebody else, they're in no better, they're in the same boat you are. And it it requires a fixation. We get most of the people who have finished it have PhDs. It's a really odd thing. It's people who can take a long-term goal and work towards it. Uh, I think the most common finisher, because I've seen someone had done worked up the stats on it, most often that someone finishes in is in their third attempt. It's taken as many as eleven. Wow. And there's a handful that have done it the first try. But, well, of course, with 15 finishers, there's only a handful who have done it at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, a little more than a handful, but yeah, definitely.
1: But most of them, they look at it as a complex problem. And they go out and they, you know, fail. And they evaluate what they did wrong in their preparation and, the, and how, they ha- how they did the course, how they ran the race. And they try to fix the problem so that they can make it.
0: Definitely. Uh, so I, I have seen, uh, a lot of fast racer coming through, um, to, through your race and, uh, and, uh, some, you know, some, some not so fast, not so, what do you call, <laughs> <laughs> flashy runners and they kind of finish that. Like you said, maybe that's the mentality people, when they come in, it's not a, it's not really a race, don't you think? It's more adventure, or or beyond adventure. And for you, for this, for the Barkley, I guess
1: it's it's a race, but it very often ends up being that you know there's there's only the person who's going to win is determined when they're the last one left. Um, there's a lot of pulling together, of course, in anything like that. There's a lot of, in in any kind of athletic competition. You're I believe you're the closest with your competitors, even if you're in a sport where the, there's lots of people who watch the only people who have experienced this share the same experiences as you do are the other the people you're playing against. so there's a lot of hoping among the field that turns out every year that someone's gonna make it.
0: Gotcha
1: They don't want all the humans to lose, but it happens.
0: Is is there time that you many years uh, in this thirty plus years that you had that there were no winners at all? I mean, it it has to be at least half a time. So
1: oh yeah, there's there's uh, been more years with no finishers than there've been with finishers. But the race is easier than it used to be. The trails have been used. People have the the humans as a group increased their knowledge base on how to approach it and. Uh, They share information with each other on how to how to train and what to carry and equipment's a lot better. Back in the beginning, the I remember carbide lanterns being (laughs) kind of the technological edge on uh, lighting because all the flashlights you had were the big old uh, bulb lights that use huge batteries and don't last very long, so you have to carry lots of batteries to (laughs) resupply (laughs) them. There's a lot of danger of the bulb getting broken. And okay. so carbide lanterns were—that's what the cool kids had because it, they weren't susceptible to those things. They had longer, longer life. And then they—they they came out with the first few of those LED lights, and I thought, how bright can an LED be? Now you can get a flashlight that's just amazing, and the battery will—it won't just last one night; it'll last for days.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and those lumens are are some of those like very bright some of them i think you can get more than even the the car's headlamp Uh, so (laughs) (laughs) you can light them light them up your trail so tell talk about that uh which year you had the
1: first time finisher it was 1995 and it was uh, a guy from england named mark williams and he was a, he was a fell runner, and the story that I heard was that his fell running club had gotten together, looking at the Barkley not having ever been finished, and they they said, you know, you're the guy who can do it, and so that they sent him over here to take it on. I think the Americans suffered a lot from a sense of defeatism; they just you kind of get to a fallback that it's not possible. Got gotcha. you. And so when you, when you get to the end of your end of your rope you say well I can't be done. So the Americans had been creeping it up a little bit, you know, people would run a little further than anyone had gone before, but no one had finished a whole fourth lap yet. And then Mark came and he just didn't know it was impossible, so he did it. Wow! And then David Horton met him at the finish, and after the congratulations are over, he says, "You you realize that you've ruined this for everybody? Because <laughs> 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 now we know it can be done. It we can be
0: done. Definitely, <laughs> we
1: have to do it."
0: He was the he was the first to climb Everest, kind of thing, you know, Edmund Hillary <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Tenzing Norgay. But definitely, that's a that's a great story. Um, did you have a uh, over the, that many years, I think it's almost 10 years of not having a finisher, did you have a doubt that uh, this is too hard? I mean, you know, uh, you yourself, a runner, uh, you know, did you ever thought that it may be a little difficult, that it's too much challenging?
1: <laughs> no, I th- I thought it could be done, but it was going to be right there at the edge. And that's really been the objective with the race all along is to keep it where it can be done. But if you make a mistake, you're not going to make it. Got
0: gotcha. you. So you you didn't decide to change the layout or anything like that. You just say, okay, if it gets done, get done. If not, we don't worry about it. Is that is that that was was that the attitude back before that that first minister in 1995?
1: Now from the very beginning, every year there's a little bit of little tweak in the course here or there, so that everybody sees something new. Uh, during the, during the event, even if they've been there a number of times, you want everyone to have that opportunity to pull out their map and, and look at it and look around and scratch their head and, and experience a little bit of doubt. Doubt is important. Don't you think?
0: Yeah. So that that will make you better for next time. So.
1: <laughs> Definitely.
0: So, uh, this many years of uh, directing um, Barkley uh, for personally, what, what have you learned from the from the event? What was for for you? I mean, we learn a lot from just watching others going through it. For personally, as a race director, what what is your take on it?
1: Well, it really it really fits in with. Uh, I, I also am a volunteer assistant basketball coach at our high school in. I think that the mental aspects of being an athlete are really on display at the Barkley. They're, and they're the same, the same mental attributes that you have in basketball. And with coaching the younger, younger guys or even at this point as an old geezer putting on the Barkley, you're, you're trying to help people and wanting to see people improve and see them grow. It's uh, some of the guys, Andrew Thompson is one of the people who has finished it. And I remember when he, when he first came, he was like 18. He was just a kid and thinking this, this guy will never even make a fun run. He's not even a candidate, but then watching him over the years, I think he's one that took maybe 10 tries before he made it. But as he got older and wiser and he, he didn't give up, he learned his lessons and got stronger and better and, He was. uh, He made it all the way into the fifth loop and got halfway around and just lost his mental focus. The the, I guess the combination combination of physical and mental fatigue, and he forgot what he was actually doing, (laughs) and and just sat out there in a mud. Took off his shoes and sat squeezing mud through his toes.
0: That's the doubt set in. That's the
1: (laughs) (laughs) way. I know it was a loss of contact with reality. Got he you. just when he when he came around and realized, oh crap! I'm, <laughs> I'm here for a purpose. It was it was too late, and he couldn't he didn't have time to make it around. But he came back again after that and got the whole thing done.
0: Wow, what a great story! Never giving up. Uh, how many years did you say? Eleven years. He. So- I think
1: it took him. He he I think he took ten. I think it took Horton eleven. I now Blake Woods took either 5 or 6. So uh
0: talking about that uh so how many how many repeaters uh do you get? A lot, a lot
1: of repeaters or is it's the the worst part of my year is the uh the day that the entry opens for the Barkley because it I had I think last year it was like 1300 applications that came in and you're only going to get to take 40 of them and a lot of them are people you know and A lot of them are people that have been there before. We try to keep each year's field with roughly half and half new people and returnees or maybe a few more returnees. We we work them in off the wait list so you can't guarantee exactly what the distribution will be. But somewhere around that, like 15 15 or so new people. But you get a lot of returnees because once someone gets in, you try to give them enough opportunities to get their very best possible performance out of it. Most people are not really going to do their best job the very first time they're out there.
0: Got gotcha. you. But talking about that uh, when you look at uh, new applicants. So somebody you're, somebody's running already, like people like me, if, if I want to run uh, run the Berkeley, if I send an application, what is my prime qualification that you look at?
1: <laughs> well, they actually, they, they fill out essays and really look at the essay's and you're not wanting to get a lot of people out there as as few as possible who are just coming so they can tell people they went. You're looking for people who actually are, are out to find out some things about themselves. And uh, you can you can pretty well tell what people's motivation is reading their essays. Even, you know, some people are more articulate than others, but Whenever somebody writes something from their heart, it reveals who they are. Definitely, Does if that makes any sense.
0: <laughs> it's it's sometimes it, I guess it does. Uh, uh, what is the oldest uh, participant uh, did you have on your race? Uh, I
1: think I think Horton finished it at fifty. You now we've had an old guy go out who was in his eighties. Uh, you well, said, I, that's the oldest I know. of. Got you. Got you. He didn't. He didn't do well. I. We knew. We knew he wouldn't. But he wanted to uh, put himself out there. Got you. And that's kind of. It's. It's not necessarily a race just for the people who have a real chance to finish. It's for people who stand to gain something, to grow personally from the from what they're doing.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Uh- if i if I ever apply, I'll be probably first nepali Nepali <laughs> from Nepal. I'll be the first one from Nepal, so uh, I think I have seen the guy from india but but I'll be probably the first Nepali who will be trying your event, but I'm not yeah, there. We've, we've
1: not had a Nepali, so we don't <laughs> have a we don't have a Nepalese license plate,
0: yeah, I saw that next time when I go to Nepal, I need to bring a license plate a train over there. Run to the mounds and then and, and think about if I want to do it. <laughs> oh,
1: Yeah, if, you, if you've got that license plate to te- to tease us with, that definitely helps your chances.
0: <laughs> and you just tell my family to go and send me the license, Nepali license plate, plate at least. Uh, so when does yeah. <laughs> when does the application opens for you?
1: Um, at a at a specific time on a specific day. Ah, and then if you're not in like the first minute firing it off it probably is not going to get here they just email it to me got you um so moving a little bit a uh, little bit away uh
0: from from Barkley and marathon we talked so much about it gary um talk about uh personally you've been running for 51 years uh, uh what is what is your legacy will look like what what will people <laughs> people will say about you in in next 50 years
1: Oh, probably not anything. I think that uh, there's a pretty short life expectancy in athletics. Once once you're no longer active, you'll disappear pretty quick. It, uh, these guys that will be at the ARFTA next week, they were the best runners in the world not but 30 years ago. And uh, nobody knows their names now. The people that come to the race and get to talk to them and look at the – we do a – program for the race. And it shows people's bios and their history. And they're just astonished at, at all the things that these guys have done. So I think that uh, once I'm out of it, I'll probably, my name will disappear. And <laughs> <laughs> maybe if I'm really well known, it could last a year. I, I still have things I, of course, I can't really run anymore, but I still have like to keep things on the on the horizon, things that I have as goals or or dreams that I want to try to do. And right now, I'm trying to figure out a way that I can do a transcon. Got you. So so, what
0: are the goals and dreams that that you have?
1: Well, I want to I want to keep being able to knock out hundred milers. My body's not cooperating like it used to, but I'm currently the Nick Marshall maintains the list of people who have the longest span of hundred mile races completed from the date of their earliest one or their first one till the date of their most recent one. And I know at one point I'd made it up to fourteenth on that list, but I didn't complete a hundred miler last year and there's a bunch of other old geezers out there still doing hundreds. That's one of the things at ARFTA is it's a good race for people to keep their keep their string of hundred milers going on. Last year we had twenty nine uh, people over 70 that started the started the race and 27 of them made it 100 miles or further. And then of course the Transcon. I've always always had as a dream during my life. I just well I just always assumed one day I would run across the country because I really enjoy journey runs. And then I came to realize I had a, a bad injury a couple of years ago. I realized that oh well, you've got a small window. You got to do it after you retire when you actually have enough time. And before your body won't do it anymore. So I'm I'm hoping I haven't let my window close, but I'll find out.
0: Definitely, um, that's a big goals to have. Uh, Talking about that, the goals and dreams and motivation. So, to what motivates you to do whatever you do? Uh, how many events do you put in a year in these days?
1: Well, I'm I'm directing six events a year, but I run in very few because there's so few that I can make the time limits. And mostly, I just have to do time runs. Or go somewhere where they have a shorter race and a really long race, and they allow the short race runners the same amount of time as the long race runners, because that uh, your your body does eventually wear out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what my thought lately. I've been training so much. I was like, uh, is it how long is this is gonna go? You know. So
1: <laughs> I, I look around at my friends who are, of course, my peers. And looks to me like for most people around a hundred thousand miles, uh, you've about exceeded the warranty. And you know how stuff does when the warranty runs out. <laughs> you <Yeah>, definitely <laughs> it started breaking fast, so everything started going faster. Definitely, I I think I'm I got
0: fifteen thousand miles miles on on me, so so I still have a few few more years, I guess.
1: I think starting after the first 50 years or after the first 40 years of running, rehab is the new training. You don't really train anymore. You're just rehabbing from your last injury.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned that earlier about Endless Mile. You should check. Uh, come down. I, I invite a Ray and I invite you. Or maybe I'll talk to the race director. Maybe invite you guys to come and run our Endless Mile down here in Birmingham. Yeah.
1: <laughs> As long as we wouldn't be in the way, I also try to pick events where I won't be in the way because I move really slow.
0: Yeah, this is a small loop, <laughs> small one mile loop uh, south of like about ten ten minutes from my house. So, so definitely it'll be fun. So, t- talking about uh, the events and and uh, things you do, uh, tell us uh, about what is what is your like best memory of the of the events that you have done so far. I mean, we talked about Berkeley uh strolling gym uh so many other events you do tell us about your one 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 memory or or the best memory that you have yourself or the runners that that you that you came across
1: Uh, as a runner i think the highlight one of the real highlights for me was beating park barner in the haverford 48 hour they held it on is an indoor track seven laps to a mile and it was oiled dirt And there is no harder surface on earth than than dirt. Once it's packed, it is incredibly hard. And if you oil it, it makes it worse. And everyone was having terrible foot problems. And my, my big toenails had split and were bleeding through the toenails. And I was ready to quit. And Park Barner, who's one of the great runners of all times, one of America's great ultra runners, had uh, terrible foot problems, too. And he quit at 101 miles. And I said, by God, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) If my if my toes fall completely off, I've got a chance to beat Park Barner. So I hung out there until I got to 102.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's one thing I have seen uh, for uh, 48 hours, those timed events. The first guy who leaves, uh, everybody's targeting to beat him, you know. <laughs> you don't want to be the first one to quit. So
1: It's a sport where you actually can beat the great runners. Yeah. Eventually, you'll get that day when they have a bad day, and you can hang in there and, and actually beat them.
0: Definitely. Um, Gary, you have uh, directed so many events. Uh, tell us about what is your favorite event to direct.
1: They're all my favorite in a way, the, the strolling gym, because it, it's, a, it's a good old-fashioned race and the ARFDA for all the old guys that show up and seeing my old friends and the Vol State because it's such a great personal experience and milestone for the people who run it, each one. But I think that the backyard race where that they do a four-mile loop every hour is probably the ultimate favorite because it it becomes a total mental exercise. The time that they're allowed to do their four-mile loop is a a whole hour, and it just gets down to people drop out when they no longer think they can win. So it becomes – it's it's just a complete mind game. And you see people who are ordinarily not – you don't think of them as being big star runners, and they're out there with the uh, with some of the very best runners in the world at the same time competing on an uneven keel because no one can run off. You can only go four miles every hour. So faster runners can't just run away. And women women are left at the end competing head up with the men with just as good a chance to win because it's the guy with the strongest mind in the end. Last year's winner had never run a 24-hour 100 before and he was out there with people who went 100 milers and he won because he had the the best plan his plan was to keep starting the loop until he won <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's interesting uh we didn't get to talk about the Vol state uh 500 and uh that is that that is the, another race you, you you direct correct
1: yes it's really a, like a group journey run the right we we everyone parks their cars on top of the mountain in georgia and we load them on tour buses and haul them all the way to Missouri. And they get off and ride across the Mississippi River on a ferry. And when the ferry boat opens, their car is 500 kilometers away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so- <laughs> and
1: they're on their own. And, and people have, it's so difficult and painful, but it's just such a, you know, it goes on until you forget that you ever had any life except running and resting and running again that that and goes the, for
0: how many days seven days it, six days correct
1: it's got a 10-day limit now there's people who can run have the the course record now as i think down to three days and six hours but it's really it's not so much it, we we have the world-class runners who come and they're important and it's Fun to watch, but it's really about ordinary people doing an extraordinary thing. And a lot of them are just regular, average people. And you got housewives and truck drivers and college professors and college students, and and they get out there and they they spend. You spend a great deal of the of the time thinking that you can't, you're not possibly going to make it. But somehow finding the will to go on, and you go through these incredible lows where you're just. It's so bad P- you know you people will sit down on the side of the road and cry. <laughs> and then later on you go through these high periods where you just feel like you could run forever and you're right. Run- you can't believe after all you've been through that you're just running and running and running down the road. and then things like the, the major river crossings just seem like such a such a landmark or to me it was always exciting. When you get to the last hundred miles, When you finally get down to double digits and it's just such a, such a lift. So after you spend all, you spend nine days wishing that it would be over and they get down to that last home stretch and it's kind of a sadness that you have to go back to the real world (laughs) because this, the race is so simple. You just, you have to find something to drink, find something to eat, figure out where you're going to sleep and keep moving.
0: Well, and it's the middle of July uh, or end of July, correct? So, and it,
1: and it, in and the middle of July, it's hot as hell. Yeah, and humid, and you wouldn't think people could do it, but all kinds of people do. Definitely, I, I,
0: I, I was. That's another race people want me to do. So, so we'll we'll see. People help. People wants me to sign up for all these races. So, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, more I listen to you, and more sound like all the races you direct. So. Sounds like I need to do at least one or two that you, races that you direct, so so see how how fun or cruel <laughs> it is.
1: <laughs> Sometimes things are more fun to look back on than they are when you're actually doing them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and yeah, we talked so so much about Barkley, so so we know we know how that is, you know, for uh, people people. Looks like that's not the only event. Uh, you put out. You you try to put out one of the most difficult races here in the South. So so talking about that personally, what what does it take for you to put so many races like that?
1: It takes a lot of time. I question myself because it sometimes it's like, especially now with the uh, with the fall states just over and Arft is coming up, and right after that will be the Barclay Fall Classic, and then and then the uh, backyard race the the month after that. And so it's just kind of around the clock, 24 hours a day doing stuff. You got a lot of international runners running, so you can end up emailing back and forth and realize that it's three in the morning or four in the morning. The sun's almost to come up because you're talking to someone who's at the end of their day. Got you. But I think the the races have succeeded like they have because I – I try to keep in my mind and remember the runners are the stars and that's who the races are about. And that's, they're the ones who make them what they are. All those races are well known because of the great things that runners have done there over the years.
0: Definitely. And, uh, one thing I have realized, uh, uh, we have a David toss here. I don't know if you' have ever met, ever met him or not. I mean the amount of time he puts to put the race to put the event think about the event I even mean, we he he has so many events now in the last several years I mean you know, he's one of my mentor puts me in the trail and one of the things what I have realized in talking to you is you know things you event you do it's not you doing for yourself you you putting your time and effort to make it you know great for everybody. I think that's 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 what it comes down to.
1: I think it used to be considered a conservative value that you, you your life should be of service to others. You should do things that benefit other people. It's not as not a popular concept these days, but you you always end up getting more than you give.
0: Definitely, and and you are doing that. Uh, Talking about legacy, we talked about earlier. I think that's that's the legacy that you can count on and build on people that you touched i guess over the years
1: uh, hopefully hopefully and they seem to at least believe that they've benefited from from facing these challenges and grown as people we don't have the benefit of living in a in a country where it's a struggle just to survive so i think that as humans we need a struggle we're not happy
0: if it's easy um that's a great uh, point, uh, Gary. Uh, I know that you're going to a Seven Bridges Marathon uh, that, that's coming up. Um, I have not met you personally. It will be great to meet you over there. What will you be doing at the Seven Bridges? Uh, I know that you're not running that race, are you?
1: I'm, I'm not sure what all I'll be doing. I know that there's a couple of times that, that I'll be talking to people. I'll be meeting people, shaking hands and, and uh, finding out what's what's in their heart and what their goals are and watching them run and seeing them come in with the happiness on their faces. I'm kind of excited about the race because Seven Bridges is a cool concept. Uh, I ran a race back in, I think, 1980, the Two Bridges uh, 50K in uh, Washington, D.C. that started at the Capitol Mall and went out and circled uh, George Washington's home. What's that called? Mount Vernon.
0: Mount Vernon. Uh
1: And then back. And it went across two bridges on the way out and two two big bridges on the way back. And then there was the two bridges race in Scotland, which was a famous ultra for many years. Yeah. And so so bridges and ultras, they they kind of go together. <laughs> yeah. and it's always a lot of fun to see people out there and mm-hmm. having a good time.
0: Definitely. I've done seven bridges for I don't know how many years. I qualified for Boston over there several times, so at least two twice, so. I'm always go back and race that event. So fun, fun, always fun to be in Chattanooga. You know, Uh, I recently had an interview with the race director, and uh, um, so so the city of Chattanooga has so much to offer. So before we end the interview, one of the things that I I forgot to ask you, uh, what what is a what is a uh, Barkley Fall Classic? Um, what, what do you do? It's just a one loop the course? Is is that how it works?
1: No, it's it's a completely different loop. It's it's more or less a, a regular race in that there's aid stations and there's course markings. Uh, it includes some of the signature hills from the Barkley and. That way, there's, there just had gotten to be so many people that you, you realize a lot of them are applying year after year, and they're never going to get in. And this race, because it's on the regular trails or else trails that accommodate a lot of people, and – we can, we can have a 400-runner limit, which is it's kind of set by what the course's capacity is for runners, where it doesn't just become unrunnable. And they get a chance to get a taste of, of what the Barkley is like. It kind of reduces the entry pressure once they do a couple of those real Barkley hills. A lot of them say... <laughs> oh. <laughs> On second thought, I don't think I want to do
0: that. <laughs> uh thank you, but uh we'll uh <laughs> definitely uh talk about one more one more thing I had about Barkley, uh, I forgot to ask you earlier. Is uh is there do you have out of this 15 winners that you have any local winners or because you know, we have a, we are close to the to the area or local runners are closest, is that a, do they get to go there and run it over and over to get ready or it doesn't work that way?
1: Well, John Kelly grew up there. Uh, the Kelly the Kelly family had lived in, in and beside where the park is now for over 200 years. And he grew up hiking those same trails. And uh, actually, the course crosses Kelly Mountain, which is named after his family. And he took it took him three tries. He finished this last year, but he doesn't live locally anymore. He lives in uh, Maryland. He's just he's another one of our finishers with a PhD. <laughs>
0: <I> got you. <laughs> yeah, I was I was wondering because you know because it may be difficult yeah. for people to come from far away, but in a local may be able to uh, run this race easily. So so that doesn't work that way too, I guess
1: most of the locals know where the race is going and they're way too damn smart to try to do that all in one day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. We we had so much fun uh, finally talking to you. Um, I think I, I would like to bring you again in the future if you get time. Um, but, uh, for now, I, I guess we need, uh, we can go on forever, I guess. I'll uh, talk about running. So, yeah. so, <laughs> we love, we love our sports. You uh, know, uh, I'm, I'm uh, a, I'm a new runner, relative to what you have done. Uh, I've been running uh, what ten years now, Uh, and didn't pick up ultra till later on. I was basically a road runner, but now I do ultra, train for road, ultra, anything. But um, but definitely, uh, like to thank you for coming, Uh, Gary. You you had so many years of experience, uh, fifty-one years of running, and uh, uh, more than thirty years of putting one of the hardest. uh, a marathon 100-miler uh, in the world uh, that we know of, uh, having only 15 finishers on the Barkley Marathon. Uh, give, us a, give us a word of advice to all our uh, listeners who listening to at this moment. Give us a word of, word of advice to uh, keep on dreaming, uh, keep on, keep on pushing, pushing that limit, enjoying, enjoying the journey. Uh, uh, give us a word of advice.
1: Say, you don't accomplish great things by setting small goals. Don't be afraid to try something where you'll fail. And if you fail, try to come back and improve. In the end, if you've given, you've given your best, it's all worth it.
0: Definitely. Sounds like a great word of advice. Uh, uh, Gary, uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I will see you in a few months up in Chattanooga, uh, around the Seven Bridges Marathon. And, uh, and um, uh, thanks for coming to, to Imran's podcast.
1: All right, I'll 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 just be watching. I expect you to run two thirty or faster.
0: <laughs> yeah, two thirty or faster. No that's not happening.
1: Well <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's for at least two and a half hours.
0: Yeah. Uh, that that will I'll have to come next life, but
1: maybe maybe more if you have the willpower.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's definitely I need to have some willpower and more train <laughs> more training, uh Gary, uh, hopefully uh, I'll be able to join you, uh, or I'll be able to at least attempt to run Barkley whenever I'm ready. Um, so hopefully I'll be the first Nepali to run the run the Barkley. But um, so I'll keep on dreaming, dreaming about that.
1: Well, you, I, with any luck, you'll get the opportunity. You can at least try to beat what the Indian did. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> uh we uh we get the different applications we like to give them a hard time i always found running in international events uh, for a multi-day races if you wanted to entertain past many hours you could ask the englishman to tell you about the french and ask the french to tell you about the english and it really works just about everywhere so i had a guy talking about the Barkley from Norway. And I told him we needed a Norwegian runner so we could find out if what the Swedes said was true. (laughs) I I don't have the heart to tell the Swedes and Norwegians that to the rest of the world, they're almost the same.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're all the We we're up in the mountains, so 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 we'll definitely have to. <laughs> I need to bring my A game. I'm I'm going to practice here down in Birmingham at my Oak Mountain, try to go through the trail with the David Taws, <laughs> try to find unmarked trail and start running them. So that's what I have to do. So to get ready for Barkley, one one of this years. So thanks uh thanks Gary uh we'll uh, we'll catch up uh soon hopefully and then uh, we'll see you at the at Seven Breezes.
1: All right, I'll be there with bells on because I don't have to run. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we'll talk to you later.
0: Thank you. If you have a need to cover your events from marketing to taking photos, please contact MRuns.com by emailing at marathonruns at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to another episode of MRuns Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast channel, Voice of Runners, at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and more. And also follow our social media channel Marathon Runs on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.